Today's gospel again is from John chapter 6. We pick up where we left off last week at verse 35, and this will serve as the basis for the sermon today. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. At this the Jews there began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the Father except the one who is from God, only he has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in the Lord, you've heard of the phrase embarrassment of riches? Probably somewhere in some context, an embarrassment of riches. If somebody just has so much of such a good thing, you know, it's this embarrassment of riches. I, I thought of that in reading John 6. I hope your takeaway from a sermon series or a look at John 6 together in the worship life of our congregation would leave you walking away saying, Wow, what a tremendous wealth of words Jesus gave to the church. What an incredible feast was laid before my eyes. There are plenty of hearts that listened to the banquet spread by our Lord Jesus, and they walked away with empty stomachs. If there's anything that happens to you, let it be this, that you would hear these words, you would think on your Savior and his gift to the church, and you'd walk away saying, I'm stuffed. 
I am so stuffed. I have not eaten like this in my entire life. May this be a new, new for your Christianity. May it be the highest of highs. May it sing the loudest song and bring the greatest thanksgiving and flip your world upside down all over again. That's what Jesus does. That's what he does with his words. That's the whole goal. And today, our theme is benefits. Better food benefits. And it really does, if you stop and listen, amaze. It just stops the world. This is your gift. That's what you give. I'm going to remind you so that we can get there. But I want you to understand that I was already sensing throughout this week, thinking about John 6 and what Jesus was saying, how easily you just taken it for granted or push this great gift to some sort of margin of my life. That it's not the dominant theme of every activity to recognize who I am and where I'm going. So often I rise and I go to sleep I act as a husband and as a father, as a friend and as a pastor with all the other things swimming around in my heart that really resist Jesus and the celebration of his feast instead of this is the only food I have in my life. So that's what we want to talk about today. If ever there were a time in Christianity, it's kind of like, time arrogant perhaps to say that, but it seems pressing for every new generation and especially our generation because it's ours and it's here and it's in front of us to reflect on just how big and glorious and wonderful are the words of God because it will infect as a beautiful disease everything you do with the energy it gives you. Everything you put in your soul that Jesus lays on this plate is going to spread in a glorious way to your fingertips and your toes. It's going to go to your head and your heart, and it's going to empty itself out into your own well-being for your soul and into all the lives around you that you have to touch. That's how serious this is. Without it, you easily grow into a grumbling person who has thousands of reasons not to party, and not to celebrate. Did you catch that as a focus for this section of John chapter 6? That Jesus said all these great lines, I am the bread. You wanted, you wanted to know. They wanted to know where can we find that bread. That was last week. That's different. That's unusual. Jesus will never be hungry again. Will never thirst. Where? He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will never be hungry. Whoever feasts and dines at this table will never be thirsty. And how did they respond? Isn't this what's unique for this section of verses? How did they respond? And they grumbled. Their little wicked sinful hearts are similar to yours and mine. It finds lots of little exit strategies to leave the banquet of the Lord, to tune out the wisdom of God and to depart. Do you have yours? Your little exit strategies in life? Your ways to tune out the gospel and say something else is important today? Something else needs to come first in my marriage? 
Something else has to be there for, for parenting. Our kids need to be, our kids need to have, and there's a new, there's a new snack, and there's a dessert, and there's a something else that pleases us. And what did they grumble about and complain? Oh, isn't this just Jesus? Our experience surpasses this, you came down from heaven. We see you're breathing, Jesus. We see you sit down and rest. We watch you eat food and drink, and it became a stumbling block to them. We know your family. We know the carpenter history. And they, they said, we're going to go feast on what we know, and we're offended by what you say. And what caused that great offense was the feast was too big. Isn't that ironic? It's almost like Jesus gave too much. They wouldn't allow it. I was trying to think of an illustration for this as a, in terms of like soul food preferences. You know, what are, they, what are they trying to feast on if it's not the bread? And I was reminded of a, I don't think it's a restaurant chain, but there are a couple that share the name of Roadkill Cafe. You ever heard of that? Roadkill Cafe? And I've never gone to one. If you know of one nearby, let's go. And let's just see what's on the menu of Roadkill Cafe. And I thought about like fried worms or like sauteed cow eyeballs or, you know, some, some like skunk tail, squished skunk tail that's more alliterative, right? It, I, we could come up with a menu pretty good for ourselves um, based on the Roadkill Cafe. And you and I would say, that sounds gross. And I don't think I would get any takers if I said, those are the actual things on the menu. Am I right? Am I right? I'm right. No takers to accompany me and say, come to that feast, right? Jesus says bread. They didn't want it. And I'll tell you that there's not a raven or a crow that would reject fried worms or a cow eyeball. They have no problem consuming the Roadkill Cafe's menu, do they? No problem with it. They're like, are you sure you don't want this? Like, first come, first served. You know, they're fighting over the Roadkill. You and I wouldn't stomach it, but they feast on it. Jesus is saying the problem isn't the menu. The problem is how you perceive it. And that's what I want you to think about today as you are awed again at just exactly what Jesus is laying out there for the food benefits he's putting on the table. And as you feel and reflect on what that sin is at work in your heart, it's always pulling you to something else. All these sinful, wicked desires that easily find something to come up with to replace this grand meal of Jesus. Do you catch that? So they came up with, you're from Nazareth, we know where you are, and they had their little exit. And there was another one coming after this, you know. There's another one next week. They're going to stumble on something, and this doesn't make sense, and I don't like this part, and, you know, that's really not for me. Sorry about that. You may call it bread, Jesus, but it's fried worms in my eyes. You may call it bread, Jesus, but this is Roadkill Cafe to me, and I'm, and I'm walking away. Jesus says it's not the menu. You have to become ravens, and there's only one who can do that. Wisdom from heaven is not only a different source, it's a different benefit. Listen to these words 
as Jesus comes back to deal with. He says, stop grumbling among yourselves. And he comes back. How do you help somebody who's feasting on the wrong menu? He doubles down. He repeats and he rephrases and he recycles because the only way for you to see it is if I keep helping you see it. So he says it all over again. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I will raise them up on the last day. It's written, they will all be taught by God. And everyone who has heard the Father and learned from him comes to me. Not a side dish, not a different dessert. The one table I laid out in front of you. No one can do this unless the Father draws him. And whenever the Father draws and gives someone, he gives them to the Son. This is just so amazing. If you put it together, you see that Jesus wants you to know for the comfort and certainty of your faith that in the spiritual menu he put forth, he and the Father are one. In the Father's eternal plan, which we've been talking about a little bit this morning, uh, the Father and the Spirit and the Son's work has been in our readings and in our hearts and minds already in this service. Planned from eternity that Jesus would be your Savior. And God's will is to bring you, to draw you to Jesus. God was doing that in the feeding of the 5,000. And Jesus says, you saw me and you still don't believe you're still looking for a something other than me, the one standing in front of you. But when the Father does his great work, when the Father does his powerful work in people's lives, when he draws people, he's drawing by miracles, he's drawing by my words, and he's drawing always in one direction. He draws you to me. And everyone, whenever the Father gives... Whenever it did it for you, and it did it for me, and he does it around the globe. Whenever the Father gives, he gives people to the Son. There's one table, one feast, one meal. Whenever the Father takes you anywhere spiritually, he takes you to Jesus, this Jesus, who's going to give his flesh for the life of the world. Do you hear that? Now you say, wow, what is God doing? What does God want to give me? The triune God? You want to know where the Father is? You want to know what the Father says? You want to know what the Father is doing? Jesus says, it's all right here. I am the Father's will fulfillment. I am the Father's work fulfillment. I am the Father's blessing to you. I am the bread of life and I will turn no one away. When you put all of this together, and you see John cycling back and forth on all these themes. You see him dealing with sinful hearts, telling them where they can't get spiritual strength or spiritual power in and of themselves, but bringing them back to the heart of the gospel as the one thing they really needed to hear and reiterating to them and to you and to anyone who would ever read John chapter 6, I won't turn you away. No matter where you go, no matter how far you've strayed, no matter what you're thinking upstairs, feasting on some other garbage words, Jesus says, the Father's drawing you here to a cross, 
and I turn none away. This is the food for the world. Anyone who believes it has it. And it begins to energize parts of you you couldn't energize yourself. It begins to do the Father's giving to the Son, the gift of the Father, the Spirit's work that you couldn't conjure on your own. You can't get an identity. You can't get a strength, that certainty, that confidence without God's own working and giving. But in those words, he's teaching you what it is to be given to the Son. I turn no one away. And I am the bread of life for the world. In all of these ways, God is doing his drawing. God is doing his giving. God is changing your heart is what I'm trying to say. He's helping you learn what it is to believe and come to him and be his so that a new person gets out of that seat this morning and a new person walks out those doors and your whole view of the world and of your life and the people in it is entirely different because I'm not even afraid of death. I wasn't sure if it should be the theme or just part two to reiterate to you the benefit that Jesus said, not once, not twice, not three times, but in many different ways, that because of him, you will live forever. I was walking down the sidewalk the other day, and I was walking out here at our yard sale, and just thinking about the people that stopped in, and thought to myself, how much would I give that they would know the resurrection. And if you think about it, there's nothing a soul thirsts or hungers more for than that sure and ultimate end of all the crazy things in your life. All the trust fall things we walked, we walked through last month now have brought you to the meat and potatoes feast with a Jesus who says again and again and again in these short verses, and I will raise you up on the last day. I turn no one away, and I will raise you up on the last day. And all the Father gives me, anyone who gives me, I will raise them up on the last day, and they will never hunger, and they will never thirst, and they, whoever believes in me will have eternal life. How many times does he have to say it? In this section, it's everything you ultimately long for on the last day, with the last word, with the final say over your soul, this wretched, wayward, wicked soul, and all the things that can trap and ensnare it, all the wrong desires and the wrong feasts and the exit strategies my heart uses. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I come to you, please. You say you're my food. And now because of you, I lack nothing. I have nothing that can take me away from you. And you will raise me on the last day. An embarrassment of riches has been set before you. And there is nothing you would trade in all the world, I don't think, to hear that from God himself, that you have eternal life. Listen to John 6. And stand tall. Listen to John 6 and be energized by the giving of God of you to his son, the son who will raise you up. 
Listen to John 6. Put it on the back of your eyelids when you sleep. Put it on the tip of your tongue when you wake up in the morning. Put it on the front and back and sides of your heart as you conduct every, every activity of every day. Jesus is the bread. And I'm going to live forever because of it. And you get up. And you go. And you live as his. My brothers and sisters, I hope that you wish we could do John 6 every week in and week out. It really is the drawing of God. Every time you hear the gospel, God is saying, come on, poor sinner. Come on, dear one. Weak, burdened, heavy laden, troubled. Let me give you rest. Here's the chair. Sit at this table and feast on the bread of life. Amen.